0: Good Saturday evening to you. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you here on News Radio 680 WPTF. This show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care and our uh, our champion of Transitions Life Care is Cooper Linton. Good evening to you, Cooper.
1: Thrilled to be here, Jason. It's a great evening.
0: Yes, sir. And uh, representing Transitions Guiding Lights, the lovely Nicole Bruno. Good evening, Nicole. I'm
2: so glad to be here this evening.
0: I know. Coffee in hand as always. you ready You know ready to what?
2: Go. Yeah, yeah. And we really put Cooper through the ringers this week. He uh, cooked, gosh, I don't even know, 15, 16 pork butts? Like yeah. <laughs> for the charity so that was a wonderful thing that he did for us
1: you know i have I'm, no idea how many of them i ate before the before the fundraiser i'm started. considered a bit of a
0: charity myself i'm disappointed that there's no pork butts <laughs> well, here tonight. well that
2: leads right into you are what you eat
1: <laughs> oh she gets called lovely, and I get called the pig. I get it. <laughs>
0: all right, so Medicaid, guys. No, uh, <laughs> we've got uh, a really great show planned, and I'm very, very excited for uh, for this show because uh, we are going to talk about Medicaid, and it's it's something that we hear about in the news all the time. But I, I don't think everyone grasps just exactly what precisely medicaid is you know it's it's a popular buzzword and you know there's money attached to it but i I don't think that everyone just has the full concept of it maybe uh, a very narrow bit uh you know maybe cherry pick some here some things here maybe confuse some things with medicare but uh, i'm glad we're having this show cooper because I, i think we can uh dispel a lot of myths and uh and you know just really set the stage for exactly what medicaid is
1: Absolutely, Jason. We, for some of our listeners, may they may recall that we did a show on Medicare back in the fall during the open enrollment period. And many times there is confusion between Medicare and Medicaid, and the terms get used incorrectly interchangeably. One of the things that we talk about on this show a lot is the uncomfortable discussion: how do you pay for things, and our unwillingness to discuss how are we going to pay for the care of a loved one or what payer options are out there, often leads people to not explore resources that it turns out many times they can't afford, they just didn't know that they could afford them. Uh, And so we felt the best way to handle a discussion of Medicaid was instead of having a few of us talk about our opinions about it, we'd actually bring in someone who runs the Medicaid program. Uh, So Dave Richard, who is the Deputy Secretary for Medical Assistance, which in the rest of the world is known as the Medicaid Director for North Carolina, has been kind enough to join us for this show and actually be able to share with us a direct perspective on what is medicaid and who it serves dave welcome to the show and thanks for taking time to come in tonight thank you so much i'm really happy to be there so let's start off with what's
3: medicaid it's a it's a great question because i think you're absolutely correct there's such a misconception about medicaid in north carolina and across the country and the 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 best way to describe Medicaid is that it is, first, it is a federal and state partnership. So uh, the state of North Carolina in its Medicaid program puts up a match for um, federal Medicaid money to draw down uh, to support people, all sorts of people um, in the state uh, that, that need Medicaid service. So the first thing I'd say is that in North Carolina on our Medicaid program and our CHIP program, which is a children's health insurance program, which is all part of of a broader um perspective. So we separate those two, but we'll today just describe them all as one. Okay. We have over 2 million people in North Carolina that well, receive benefits. Did you say 2 million people? 2 million people in North Carolina that are enrolled in Medicaid. Uh that number is is um Consistent, it slowly grows over time with the population changes, um, but but it's the number uh, that we have today is over two million people that are on Medicaid and CHIP,
1: and that's North without North Carolina participating in the Medicaid expansion plan. That's so that's cool. two million people. That's two million people on a basic Medicaid program. There would have been, you know, would, and if if North
3: Carolina would have chosen to um, take advantage of the expansion it would have been another between 300 to 600,000 people that would have been on Medicaid with that.
2: So Dave, do you happen to know approximately of that two million, how many of them are older adults?
3: So the, the way I would explain it is that the Medicaid program, as you think about the population mix, is that a large percentage of the people on Medicaid are children uh, and, um, and, 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 and families on Medicaid. And that number, especially the children, winds up driving the least amount of our cost but a smaller percentage of people on Medicaid the number of folks that are older and have disabilities are the largest cost component of that so what you see is an inverse way to think about the, um, the population on Medicaid but what I will say is that so a lot of folks who are older adults that uh, today are not on Medicaid if they wind up in a nursing home ultimately many of those individuals who would go in as private pay or some other method is paying them will wind up on Medicaid because Medicaid as I think you realize, is the one of the few programs that actually does pay for long-term care um, outside of private insurance that does that work.
1: So we have folks that I run into on a routine basis, Dave, that say, well, Medicare is going to cover my nursing home. And we explain, well, nursing home care in a rehab facility, rehab care in a nursing facility may be covered by Medicare. It's not a guarantee. There's some criteria that the patient has to meet. But you're saying that many patients that go into a nursing home, not for rehab, but for long-term care placement, they cannot live safely somewhere else. They go in paying privately. They're paying out of their pocket or with a long-term care policy or some combination may eventually end up on Medicaid. And I'm assuming this is because they live long enough that they run out of those private funds. Is that accurate, Dave? That's exactly what happens to so many people. As you know, that cost is high it's not an inexpensive
3: thing to to pay for so um, as people go in you know and I I think about so many folks that you know I think about my family my um, aunts and uncles and my parents before they passed away you know they did a great job at trying to save for as much as they could but you know it's really hard to save for that long-term care that people will need once you wind up having to pay for that on a regular basis out of out of the funds that are available that you may have uh, it easily gets eaten up. And that's what happens to so many people that wind up going into nursing care and other kinds of long-term supports that they wind up uh, exhausting the resource that they have and they, the um, Medicaid program winds up paying for that.
2: Not too long ago, we had a representative from the uh, North Carolina Assisted Living Association here and, you know, Living in this area, the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill RTP area, we're sort of in a bubble in a lot of different ways, you know, frequently technology wise and housing wise and so on, and, and long term care wise, there's a, a higher density of higher income folks that live here. But outside of this area, What was a big surprise to me was the percentage of people that actually have to live in assisted living that assisted livings really only take Medicaid because there aren't people there that can afford it. And so sometimes when we have these conversations about older adults living in rural communities, you know, they don't have funds and we don't have people that can care for them. And then we have conversations about cutting Medicaid that really cuts the older adults that really need the care, and it's, it's a very scary thing to me. And I, I had no idea that there was such a huge percentage of folks outside of the triangle that really rely heavily on Medicaid that are older adults for their long-term care needs.
3: So maybe a way to just to, to jump in a little bit. So I, I was looking, thinking back about the numbers. So around of that 2 million people, around 500,000 of those individuals or folks that are gonna be age-blind and disabled is the way we describe that group. So it gives you a percentage of that. The rest are gonna be you know children and family members at uh, are caring for those children. I think one of the big misconceptions about Medicaid is that, so it's a it's a program only for poor people. Uh, it's a program that is a uh, benefit that you know results in you know this. I, I What's the right way to say this? But that 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 folks that that um, that haven't you know working or other people that haven't had that. Well, it's a program for all, all Americans, frankly, and it winds up cutting across so many different places. So a lot of children are Medicaid. So to, to add, as know it's not this audience, but. A, a, an awful lot of children in the audience. So when we think about um, pediatricians in the state of North Carolina, frankly without the Medicaid program, many pediatricians would have a hard time uh, making ends meet because so many children are on Medicaid. Now it's an important component. We want those children in Medicaid or, or on health choice. We want them to have the kind of uh, health care that they need. But then you get outside of that group. So I'll, I'll just give you a couple other examples. Maybe the audience helps is that for so many people with disabilities. So if you think about um, a family who has a child with a disability, when they're born, you know, their, their, their costs are enormous. So if it's a physical disability, you need all the kind of help you need in a hospital, those other kinds of things, or if you need long-term care on that, then, then the other program, the only program that really pays for that is a Medicaid program, so a lot of people. And then as we described, there are multiple programs that Medicaid does for people who are older and need those kinds of support service that we can talk much more about as, as, as we're there.
0: Yeah, we're speaking with Dave Richard. He's the Deputy Secretary of Medical Assistance for North Carolina, and we're going to continue our conversation on Medicaid in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more information about them at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters here on News Radio six eighty WPTF. This show is all about the care and comfort that surrounds you, and it's a service of Transitions Life Care, which was founded as Hospice of Wake County. I am Jason Kong, Cooper Linton over there, Nicole Bruno over here. Our special guest today is Dave Richard, who's the Deputy Secretary of Medical Assistance of North Carolina, and we're talking all about Medicaid and Cooper. Before we uh, we left off last segment, we were we were talking about how. Uh, Uh, this affects children. And, you know, let's let's pick right back up there.
1: I think one of the things that Dave touched on earlier, and it helps me understand things that sometimes I get wrong in my mind, is that the most people that are covered by this program actually as individuals are are children. We're, We're dealing with a high volume of kids and their immediate family who are trying to care for these children is that is that accurate as far as yeah. the number of people impacted i think that's a, a fair assessment and and as you you know is that if you're if you're covering ch- kids that
3: the cost for children's services are, for most part are, are much less expensive because we're but, but so very important because you're doing the well checks, you're doing all the kinds of things that you need to do for children to make sure that they're healthy, which is what we want. We want to make sure that children are healthy so they can learn and grow and, and you know, be the best that they can. So that's one of the really great components about the Medicaid program.
1: So it's a high volume but relatively low cost on a per right. capita basis. Now, if we flip that graph the other way around, we start looking at a lower number of people, but they have higher costs. And that's really our – is that our older – our adult population? Instead of saying older, it may be adult, is that right? It's adult, but when you think about it from our perspective, it's people who are older and also
3: people with disabilities. So okay. again, Medicaid covers those, those two groups. And I think that's a, you know, one of those misconceptions that most people have about Medicaid is that you know, it, it, obviously we pay for a lot of health care, just um, physicians and hospitals and those kinds of things, but it's also that long-term supports that people need as they get older and also for those people that have lifelong
1: disabilities. So if we're looking at that older population, can you? we've mentioned nursing homes, but I, can you give us an idea of what, if I'm an older person, and I may or may not have Medicare, Medicare is going to be my primary payer, Medicaid could be my, my payer of last resort is how we sometimes refer to this. What are some examples of things that Medicaid would pay for, for an, an adult, either a disabled adult or a geriatric adult, an older adult? So think about our, our, our major programs for people who are older and, and they also cover people with
3: disabilities. So um, one of them is our, our personal care services, which is a, um, a, a community-based approach. And then we'll wanna talk more about that as we go forward. But we also pay for people through that program that live in uh, what we call adult care homes. Some call it assisted living different ways. It's not nursing level of care, but it's uh, folks that need to be in a, a facility because they no, no longer can be taken care of at home. So we pay for it that way. We also have a program called, um, we call it CAPDA. It's a community alternative program for disabled adults, but it also supports a lot of folks who are older, which allows wraparound services inside the home. Uh, we have about 12,000 people on that program in North Carolina. So if you think about the home health world in, in, in that space, so it's really kind of this broader home health and in facility-based care, And, of course, all of the things that come with the physical health care for people who are older adults.
1: So we'll throw around the term in here, home and community-based services. Um, And sometimes you hear that long-term care and supports. And we hear all these uh, phrases tossed around. And and I get a little lost sometimes in the alphabet soup. But it's really trying to care for people in non-institutionalized environments whenever possible. And that personal care service program... Is part of that, is it not? Is it's to help keep people out of a nursing home if possible? Yeah. So
3: our 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 philosophy and and a nationwide philosophy, I know, it's with, with you 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 both believe is that anything we can do to help somebody stay in their own home in a place where they want to continue to live is the best option. One it, one of the surprising things is it's less expensive if you do it well. Now we've got some ways that we, we've got we've got some work to do around how we pay for that service because I think it's a service that is is hard to provide at the level we pay. But if we can help people stay in their home longer, one is that we know they're better off. They, they enjoy that more. They want to be there. You know, and there's not a lot of folks that grow up saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that nursing home, right? That's right. not what people I, I'd think like
1: about. to be surrounded by strangers right. when I'm older. Yeah. It, it,
3: it's, a, it's a needed service. It's an important service. But most people want to try to stay in their home as long as possible. So that's what we're trying to do is to make sure that we're driving uh, those services as much as we can that allow people to stay in their home. It's, it's what we ought to be doing for all Americans. All right. But in American in, in a Medicaid program – it's the it's the best bang for our buck and it's also happens to be the best thing to do for people so
1: well and keeping them at home is 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 often the 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 choice people really want nursing homes even when they're run very well and i applaud the work that the nursing home folks do it isn't where people say they want to be uh even when it is done extraordinarily well it's still not their number one choice they want to be home right
2: So I want to stand here and sort of wave a flag. That's great. And, you know, every day we have so many uh, thousands and thousands of boomers aging and they're going to need help in the home. We have two major problems. Number one, not not a lot of people want to do that type of work. And number two, the companies that do want to do that type of work, they don't want to take Medicaid as a payment because it doesn't reimburse what it actually costs to provide that care.
3: So so you, you can never have a conversation about Medicaid without talking about reimbursement because Medicaid, we, we are, um, one, it's a program that is absolutely, uh, we are responsible to our members of the General Assembly about and, and, and they are doing their job wanting us to make sure that we control costs. I will say that North Carolina's per member per month, it's the way we think about how we pay for Medicaid services is there our average is significantly lower the nationwide average and we are very competitive with our neighboring states and below many of them in terms of, of, of our cost for program. But but things like home health, it's a great example of that. What we know, and and we've had multiple conversations with members of the General Assembly, is that we have to raise the rate um, to address that issue if we're going to continue to have people coming in home. It's not something that we've raised, I think, in the past um, almost 10 years. That rate has been stagnant. Right. So the ability to have people show up. And you want people that are competent, that do a great job, the folks that do that work, and I applaud them every day, but it's hard. If you if, you're, if we pay and then the agency has to provide that service and what they're able to pay for the direct care worker, it becomes a very difficult thing to attract the right kind
1: of folks to be there. One of the things we talk about in our industry a lot is that we can make excellence affordable, but we can't make it free. And the current PCS rate is, is so low that it does not give health care providers the sufficient money to provide excellent care, particularly in certain higher cost areas of the state. I mean, the reality is it costs more to provide care in Wake County or Mecklenburg County than it does in Perquimans County. <laughs>
2: You know, and I don't think, you know, we hear a lot of people screaming and yelling too about an affordable living wage, pay people an affordable living wage. And I don't think the providers are trying to purposely keep people's wages down. I think everybody would love to pay people an affordable living wage. It's just that there isn't the money there to do it for a lot of these types of jobs like certified nursing assistants and so you know you have lots of arguments on both sides and it's how do we where do we find the money do we have a money tree in the backyard i don't know
3: (laughs) we we don't have the money tree in the backyard what what i will say is that we've had um very positive conversations with our our members of the general assembly they recognize that that this is one of those key areas and so what we're we're attempting to do in medicaid and you know we've got a, a lot of reform work going around is to, is to sort of shift the way that we do business, pay for the things that are uh, most important for people, make sure that we're looking at how our rate structure drives the kind of quality we're looking for. And you'll hear this word thrown around a lot. We start paying for value, value, value rather than volume. And that really relates to how we pay for medical care and then really thinking about the things that can, it can keep people healthy longer. And if you think about a home, in-home um, services, not only do they support people in home, but it's the option of, of making sure that somebody's got eyes on people that right. sometimes are isolated. So keeping them healthy is the other thing it,
1: it creates. Whether that's PCS, whether that's Community Alternatives Program, CAP, uh, Home Health, Home Care, Hospice, all of these are home-based services. And Medicaid can, it may not be the provider or the payer up front. It may be much of that is covered by Medicare first if, if they have it. But Medicaid can be the provider that helps bring those services into a home and, in turn, keep a patient from having to go into institutionalized care. And the idea is to provide excellent care in the most cost-effective manner possible. It's really an issue of of government stewardship, if you will. It's it's about uh, taking care of the taxpayer dollar and getting the highest impact for the taxpayer.
3: Yeah, it, 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 you'd be interested to know is that almost 50,000 people in North Carolina receive um, – Uh, uh, personal care services through the Medicaid program. Now, some of that's in facilities and some of it's in community, but it's a really important service for an awful lot of folks in North Carolina.
0: Our guest this evening is Dave Richard. He's the Deputy Secretary of Medical Assistance for North Carolina, and we're going to continue our conversation on Medicaid momentarily. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service made possible through Transitions Life Care. Find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, which you can find online at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, Cooper Linton, Nicole Bruno alongside me. Our guest this evening, Dave Richard. He's the Deputy Secretary of Medical Assistance for North Carolina. And we're talking about Medicaid and Cooper. We've been throwing around some terms here, uh, personal care services, hospice, and these are uh, some critical functions of uh, of medicaid and also you know that it's very important to our target audience and and what our mission is on aging matters
1: right the mission being to really empower caregivers to do a great job of taking care of their loved one uh, and try and do so in a way that you look back on life and say you know i don't have any regrets i did a, i did a great job for this person and as we look at the services that are available uh during the break uh, Dave was really educating me on some numbers. He just threw out some numbers. And I said, wait, wait a minute, these are numbers that I think everybody needs to hear. Dave, you were really walking us through how many people, North Carolina citizens, are impacted in certain programs, older North Carolina citizens that are impacted by certain programs. Do you mind sharing those numbers again? Well,
3: I'd be happy to. So as we think about folks in skilled nursing facilities, nursing homes, is that our, our numbers for last year, where 45,000 people were in nursing homes that Medicaid paid for. These are the uh, folks that Medicaid paid for. And our personal care services, which are delivered either in-home or some of it's delivered inside of assisted living or adult care homes. That's over 48,000 people were um, uh, receiving those services. Our, our Community Alternative Program for Disabled Adults, it was over almost 12,000 people uh, received that service. And then in hospice service, uh, uh, almost 7,500, over 7,500 people receive hospice services through a Medicaid program. And and so those are the biggest programs that we run for people who are older.
1: So you're looking at, I'm doing some quick, what I call Alabama math. Uh, That sounds like an awful lot like about 100,000 people in North Carolina that Medicaid helped pay for. And the reason I'm saying helped is Medicare may be covering part of that. They may be covering part of the care. Um, But 100,000 of our vulnerable older population are being covered. And then that money, part of that money is state. Because you were talking about this being a shared thing. So part of that money is paid out of the state. Part of it is paid by the federal government. But you guys are, are running it. As the, the Medicaid director, you and your team are running that, that this program, splitting this money up, using this shared money.
3: Right. So our, the, way, the way the Medicaid program generally works is that so the state of North Carolina puts up about 35 cents um, and then receives the sixty-five cents from the federal government. It's a little bit close to that number, and so what it says all taxpayer dollars, right? That's the um, both federal and state money that comes back into North Carolina because of the the way that we do that federal match. And then once it's once it's coming in, now we have to draw down from the federal government based on the amount of money that we spend on that match. Um, but it becomes in North Carolina and it circulates in North Carolina in the healthcare system that um, we pay for a lot of a lot of services. Let me add one other thing that. You know, we, we 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 didn't talk a lot about hospitals and um, and doctors on this, but yeah. Medicaid is a is a huge payer for um, hospital systems and also for physicians. We really drive home the idea we want primary care physicians um, helping people. So your regular family doc is um, a lot of. We have one of the highest participations of family physicians in the country in that program. And for hospitals, I think most hospitals will tell you without uh, Medicaid being stable that they're going to have a difficult time continuing their operation. So I didn't want well, to that. Well, we've heard
1: some of the hospitals in rural areas talk about that without Medicaid dollars, they close. Right. Uh, it's the difference between being open and being closed. And painfully, this state has suffered the loss of some rural hospitals. Uh, and I made the comment and someone looked at me and said, that's not really true. And I said, actually it is. I said, there are counties in this state or I can get veterinary services faster than I can get human services. That's right. And that's an uncomfortable reality, but the Medicaid dollar is part of what bridges that gap of maintaining access uh, in, in those counties. And we, and I say that at Transitions Life Care, we serve some of those counties that have lost uh, access to acute care services, hospital-based services. So I'm speaking from first-person experience on that. Um, when we talk about hospice, there were about 45,000 People in North Carolina last year who received hospice care, and you said 7,500 were paid for by Medicare. I mean by Medicaid. Medicaid. Excuse me. Here I am confusing the terms. See, <laughs> easy to do, I, you right? know what? I need to listen to this show. I'd learn more. So, 45,000 people received hospice services. 7,500 of those had it paid for by Medicaid. Does that mean so we have Medicare paying for the majority of that because they're older? But some of those folks simply didn't have a payer. They had no commercial insurance. They were not eligible for Medicare. And is that where that 7,500 comes from? It's
3: going to be people who are, are of lower income at this point in their life in the Medicaid program. They're eligible for Medicaid. So that's, that's where it gets paid for.
1: Yes. And we think of that as largely an older population. But I uh, was having a geeky moment the other day, and I sat down and ran through a bunch of numbers. And it looks like that we actually – because you guys actually cover children in the hospice program. Uh, And that's part of concurrent care under the Affordable Care Act that allows concurrent services for children on hospice. And it looks like we're paying for about one child on hospice for every 1,000 people who are on hospice care. So it's literally one in a 1,000 that's your Medicaid children. We're talking 50 kids a year across the state. I don't have the exact number, but a very small number of kids, Yes.
2: So I guess I'm sitting here and just thinking about who might be listening today. And, you know, we know enough to be dangerous. Obviously, you know way more than Cooper and I, but um, how would I know if I was potentially eligible for this program? I mean, just listening, you know, I may have a loved one who I think, you know, geez, this sounds like it could be the answer to our issue to provide care. How how would I go about figuring that out?
3: Well, I think, the, I think the simplest way to think about it is that if you have a question about it, you need to ask. So one way to do is to, to go to, to our website at DHHS, which is uh, ncdhhs.gov. Okay. Uh, so it's North Carolina DHHS.gov. But the other way is to call your local social service agency. So every county in North Carolina, their DSS is the agency that determines Medicaid eligibility. So that's how we, um, the state's responsible for that, but we um, ask our counties to do that work. So, if you have any questions, so if you're in Wake County, call uh, your local Wake County DSS, and 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 they can begin to walk you through the eligibility processes.
2: That sounds great.
1: So, I think this sometimes gets complicated for folks. But Nicole, you you touched on something that's critical. There are people who are eligible for programs to help them care for a loved one, either at home or when home is no longer an option. And I have seen this in in my very close personal circles where people who worked hard all their lives, they saved money all their lives, they were frugal all their lives, uh, but they reached a point where their illness took them longer than they ever thought down a path of, of, of chronic disease. Uh, and eventually they said, you know, I, I've got to have help, and that help actually was the Medicaid program uh, that cared for them in the last couple of years of their lives. And, again, these are folks that contributed to society diligently and very well for many many years but chronic illness essentially caught up with them and eroded their eroded their resources so um, when we if we're talking about the department of social services at the local level there is people are often a little scared to call that they think that so well i'm calling the health department or whatever that's really a, a benefit that they have from having spent years paying into the system
2: I
3: think I think that, that again, it's it's so important for people to think about this. Is that um, we we all participate in this, this incredible country and in our incredible state, and we pay taxes for a reason. And one of the reasons why we pay taxes is to make sure that we we provide services to those people that need them um, most. When you know, we all want folks to you know to be self sufficient, to be able to do everything on their own, but it should not be for anybody uh, a place where they believe that it's not, it's not in their best interest to, to determine it. So if you have a loved one who you're concerned about, uh, not only does DSS uh, allow you to figure out eligibility around Medicaid, but they have other services that are really important to think about. So I, I think the, you know again, this is my philosophy is that you know, our state is, is a, a state rich in resources, and our country is one of that. And we obviously have to worry about our tax bill. We have to worry about our budgets, and, and we do that every day. We try to manage our program as tight as we can. But, but what we're about is making sure that the citizens of this country have, um, have the best quality of life possible, and that's what we're trying to achieve.
0: We're talking with Dave Richard. He's the Deputy Secretary of Medical Assistance for North Carolina, and he gave out a URL earlier if you're interested in checking out uh, information on eligibility. It's ncdhhs.gov if you're looking for more information. We're going to continue our conversation on Medicaid here, and you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you here on News Radio 680 WPTF. This show is a service of Transitions Life Care. I'm Jason Kong, Cooper Linton, Nicole Bruno alongside me. Our guest this evening is Dave Richard. He's the Deputy Secretary of Medical Assistance of North Carolina. And Cooper, we're talking all about Medicaid and, you know, we're, we're going to get into the public policy aspect of this and you can't go uh, anywhere flipping on the news or, you know, listening to WPTF, we, I, I would venture to guess we've mentioned it probably once a day, uh,
1: because you can't,
0: you can't escape it. it. anytime a budget is mentioned, uh, Medicaid comes up. It's a buzzword. That's, that's just always present.
1: couldn't agree with you more, Jason. Uh, and this is whether it's North Carolina General Assembly discussion, whether it's a discussion at the U S Capitol, uh, whether it's the national budget that gets released by one group or another. Um, there's, the issue of Medicaid always comes up. Uh, the issue of Medicare always comes up. So the clarity between understanding those two different programs becomes critical. Otherwise, we, we blend things that we shouldn't. But uh, Dave is the North Carolina Medicaid director. This, these budget discussions at the state level and at the federal level Impact your if you pardon your customers who are in the Medicaid program is that is that a fair statement? It's
3: absolutely correct. I think the the you're right. The conversation continues to to happen and and I'd say that one of the things that I would think is most important is people be informed about what these discussions really mean. So I'll I'll do quick uh, snippets. So in North Carolina, we are doing work to reform our Medicaid program. The General Assembly and I think appropriately wants to make sure that we have a a, um, a budget that's predictable for them. So we'll be moving to a more managed care system to do that. And I think a great opportunity to do really good things for people in that. At the federal level there's a lot of conversation about Medicaid both in the repeal and replace of the Affordable Care Act and also as we've just seen the president's budget come out earlier this week and the thing I think is most important to talk about is that because we described that uh, federal state partnership is that uh, in North Carolina the state of North Carolina puts up about four billion dollars and we because of other ways that the program works so we wind up spending about 13 and a half billion dollars on medicaid so there's a federal match to that uh, there are some other assessments that we use to draw down that, that federal match and the state dollar coming up if some of the proposals that are being uh, being talked about in congress were to pass uh... what you would see is that the state of North carolina our members of the general assembly are gonna have to make very difficult decisions and the decisions will be uh... do we continue the program as is and make sure that the beneficiaries who receive services continue to receive that do we continue to pay provider rates at the rate level that we do or how do we balance uh, the loss of federal money um, with state money? So they have the option of appropriating more. But it's a pretty big budget. So you know, anytime the General Assembly has to find additional state money to appropriate programs, uh, it's very difficult because most of the money is allocated to other things. So our, I would say my fear is that uh, as we move toward this, you'll have lots of um, comparisons about what happens at the federal level. But it's important people to know is that if there is these cuts um, at the at, at 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 the Congress level, um, you will see changes, and you'll see changes in services to people. Something we didn't mention. So, you know, we talk about people with disabilities and folks who have um, they're older and the services they're receiving, but in in for people who have uh, mental health needs, uh, Medicaid is the primary payer in the country for those mental health needs. So all of these things would have to come under a different level of view. And our concern is is that in a program that's already stretched pretty thin, um, how would we make those changes to uh, continue to support people?
1: I don't want to overly simplify things, but I, I want to ask, is this really coming down to a choice? If we have the federal budget cut, that this is going to cause the North Carolina legislature to make a decision between cutting North Carolina Medicaid benefits or allocating more money to augment the loss from the federal dollars is that i mean it, either somebody's got to pay the bill or you do less care is that the uh, you, you you you've brought boiled it down to the um, the clearest point that's exactly right yes so our earlier discussion that we want to pay for excellence we want to pay for value uh we want to be able to hire great people who have high impact in a cost-effective manner it sounds like we would be moving away from being able to pay those those better benefits um and in the turn may end up with a higher cost by just shifting from low-cost care to high-cost care. That's, I mean, I'm, one of my concerns is time we shift care from the lowest-cost environment by default, the care is going to a higher-cost environment.
3: Could be, you couldn't have been more, more, more accurate on that. Part of our excitement about Medicaid reform is the ability, as I mentioned, to pay for value and to shift those things, but it takes time to do that. Um, and you can't pull money out of the system in trying to make that transition. What we hope to do is ultimately be more efficient and effective in our costs, but we know we have great needs. So example, when I mentioned the, the 12,000 people on CAP-C, uh, CAP-DA, um, our, our program for folks, we have people waiting to get that service and they need it today. So, so it's that kind of thing that uh, not only do we, we have to make sure that we're paying caregivers at the right level uh, to provide that, we also have more people in need than we, than we can reach.
1: So let me ask a specific question that we keep hearing come up, and it's about the Affordable Care Act, repeal, replace, and the impact of that on Medicaid. Because when we talk about Affordable Care Act, is that, that's not Medicaid, but it seems like it impacts Medicaid. You know, it's a fascinating
3: thing that, that where we've gotten all this wrapped in. So the Affordable Care Act allowed for states to expand Medicaid coverage to cover more people um, in the state, and again, as we mentioned, North Carolina chose not to take the advantage of that. But actually, beyond that, the Medicaid program is second and, and, and distinct from that. But what we're seeing now in, um, in, in the congressional proposals are proposals that would do the repeal and replace, but also reduce the, um, the ultimate funding for Medicaid in our base program. So I think that's getting confused as people are thinking about this. Dave Richard, he's the Deputy Secretary of the
0: Medical Assistance Program of North Carolina. Thank you so much for joining us. This is uh, just a, a very enlightening show, and, you know, we probably need uh, a few more sessions with you to, to really dive into this more, but uh, I think you did a great job of explaining this and making this understandable to someone like me, which is, <laughs> which is really hard to do, Dave. Well, Jason, thank you so much, and, and you, you sell yourself short, but I enjoyed it a great deal. Well, thank you very much. And Cooper and Nicole, we, we got to take care of some housekeeping before we exit for the evening we got the uh, the Caregiver Summits coming up. Uh, these are uh, very big, of course, and people are signing up, yes. and time is running
2: out. Time is running out, at least for Raleigh. So um, we do have the upcoming Caregiver Summits, and for those who may be listening for the first time, these are full-day conferences with the idea that folks can come if they're caring for a loved one or preparing to care for a loved one to get a full day of respite, resolution, and resources. So we offer a number of different breakout sessions. They are able to visit gosh dozens and dozens of exhibitors they get a lunch there's an opportunity to take care of yourself Uh, topics such as Medicare benefits not Medicaid but Medicare benefits um, trying to understand how that works you can take a virtual dementia tour and and see what it's actually like to have dementia and experience that for yourself even things like Project Lifesaver which is a program that helps um, folks who may have a loved one that wanders be able to find that loved one if they happen to leave the house and that's put on by the local sheriff offices. So there's a whole host of different sessions that we do provide. Uh, The upcoming conference is in Raleigh on June 13th at the McKibbin Conference Center, on June 20th at the Durham Convention Center, and a little bit further out though not too far, uh, August 22nd at the Friday Center in Chapel Hill and then again on October 3rd in Lillington at Campbell University. So for folks interested they would go to the website at caregiversummit.org and register. Pre-registration is strongly encouraged we can't promise we would be able to get you in at the door.
1: Nicole we've if I recall correctly Raleigh has sold out in years past and Durham usually sells out as well so if you're interested in going to these you need to sign up go on to that website sign up get registered for them and get registered as quickly as possible because the seats are filling up and historically we've not been able to have people come in from the front door.
2: Yeah, and we hate turning people away. That's a sad look when someone's arranged for care for the day and we have to say, hey, you know, you can't come to this event. But I have to say, you know, folks that come in, one of the biggest things they walk away with not only is they get to see and untangle that web of resources of all the different services that are provided in our community. But they get the sense of, wow, I'm not in this alone. And so when you're surrounded by hundreds of other caregivers that are in the same boat as you, and you get to have a conversation over dinner and share stories, that just, you see just rocks lift off people's shoulders and they kind of walk out with their shoulders up when they walk in sort of hunched over and down. So we make this a fun day. It's very empowering. It's, it's certainly not a downer for folks. And people always ask us to do more. And that's part of the reason why we're doing four this year.
0: Yeah, and if you think for a second that this might be for you, please go to org and register. It's a, it, it's a great opportunity, as Nicole said, and there's so many resources available to you. Uh, it's it's well worth the price of admission. And again, you can find more information at org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. We'll see you again next Saturday at 7 o'clock. Thank you for listening to News Radio 680, WPTF.